0: Welcome to Made in Science, the official podcast of the University of Stuttgart. My name is Wolfgang Holtkamp. I'm Senior Advisor on International Affairs at the University and your host for today. In this episode, we welcome Dr. Annette Finz, who is Business Consultant and Founder of the Institut für Sinnorientierte Beratung, the Institute for Purpose orientated consulting and also the author of several books on coaching and leadership. Dr. Finz studied philosophy and psychology at the University of Stuttgart, which was a fundamental stepping stone for creating her philosophical approach to consulting enterprises. She lives in Germany and Switzerland, and today she's our guest. Hello, Annette. <laughs>
1: Hello, Wolfgang. Thanks for having me.
0: You're very welcome. And we are very glad to get a chance to talk about enterprises, responsibility, purpose, um, meaningful decisions, uh, all of that. However, I'd like to start with your one of your life models, I guess, which is life is serious. Therefore, we need a lot of humor. How did that model come about for you? And do you always use it when you work with people uh, and uh, giving them advice?
1: <laughs> well, for for myself, I really use it, uh, I guess, um, every day, at least uh, three times, probably. <laughs> and um, humor is a very good tool, I would say, um, to have a distance to your own situations. So that helps really a lot. And um, so I try to Um, not to convince, but to take over somehow um, some situations with my clients, um, to to get them laughing at them. If if you want to know when I really decided to do that, um, it was in the Philippines when I was working there in Manila in the 1980s. And uh, these times probably today still um, it was a fairly very dirty city and you were really uh, you had a certain surface of black on your skin when you came home and um, so you urgently needed a shower and i I went under to under the shower and the water came out and uh, I took the soap on the skin and when I wanted to to get rid of the soap again the there was no water running and I was sure there wasn't any water running for the next hour or something. So, um, I had such a hard day. And after that, um, I I, I was close to my tears and I realized that I now have the the decision whether I would really laugh about the situation because, uh, you know, um, bad experiences, good stories. Um, or just break out in tears. And I was sure that my day would be better if I would laugh about it. And uh, so it was, and I was uh, somehow in, uh, sitting on the, on the chair and just laughing about it wrapped in, in my, in my t- towels. And um, th- they really made the decision that this would be a good idea always if you're really in, in such a situation to do that. That doesn't mean that you take the situation seriously. Well, in this case, it, it was, I mean, you, you won't die because of that or anything, but um, it's just uh, you find other, you, you start keeping water aside for such situations, for example.
0: When you share that story, perhaps with your clients, as you did with our audience uh, here today, do you get a reaction when people are surprised saying, well, we cannot make the uh, the connection between uh, a consultancy and humor And today's problems or the issues that uh, the respective companies have at the moment, and I'd like to extend just one more uh, aspect to this. Have you found that even more humor is needed in your consulted work today when you meet enterprises?
1: I don't think that it's it's um, that that we need more, but that we need it on the uh, um, from from time to time by exaggerating uh, situations or um uh the the engineers would say extrapolieren you extrapolate uh, the situation to a to an observed standard and then you um then you see that probably it won't come to that standard or to to that absurd situation but, but that makes you laugh and that makes it it's just as in in a, in a certain sense it's a, it's more or less a psychological um thing that that you it, it makes you easier not, um, and you need that ease to approach the problems you have at the moment so um, um yeah yeah that's that's the situation in earlier times it was sometimes more or less, um, irony you could take because some, sometimes if you, if you take yourself too seriously, um, or your, your role in the company, you know, um, if, if someone's told me, yeah, I I cannot afford to, to leave the company for three weeks of vacation. I said, yes, that's true. If you die right away in three, within three weeks, all people will be unemployed. The clients won't get any product, and and you know, and probably your town will will be you know, and it's um so that made people laugh about themselves and about uh, just imagination what what could happen, and then they sometimes, well take themselves a little bit back um, to have the right uh, relationship to. To their own people, to their clients, to their work. So that, that was that was a little that, that was the irony. In today's problem, irony is perhaps sometimes what we would call in German Galgenhumor, you know. Um, some
0: sense of dark humor. Yes. Yes. Now already you have drawn the line between the humor. Uh, but also uh, the purpose um, that your work uh, is so much about. In 2020, you wrote an article for Süddeutsche Zeitung in which you stress the importance of uh, finding purpose in work, especially in moments of crisis. Looking back at the two years that we have just gone through, what has come? into existence since then, would you still write the same article or write the article in the same way two summers later?
1: In, in this case, I probably would. Normally you, you wouldn't after two years, but it was uh, it was this uh, stressing the point that in uh, in times of crisis and we're we're going even deeper in the crisis, which I didn't think two years ago, um, that, that was more the sense of a crisis two years ago. Um, people felt fearful. Uh, my clients felt fearful, myself as well. But um, today we're really in an in a economic crisis, uh, in a real hard economic crisis. We're going into it. And um, in this case, to, to uh, you really need orientation. Um because without orientation in a crisis, you you really you you're just walking there and there and just you you take the next way you 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 could take there without any orientation. It's just like without a compass uh, in a, in a forest uh, and you're lost. And purpose is this uh, orientation, and you need it. So even if you're not on the way you want it to be, if it's still the right direction. Um, It's fine. It's not great, but it's fine. And um, purpose is not having many things, but it's just a very, it's focusing on what you really, really want. And that that's, um, that's the real thing at the moment, you really need that. Yeah.
0: The challenge for people, and perhaps especially those who are in leadership positions, may also be to accept the capacity to reinvent themselves um, in order to address a particular situation. Do you think the capacity of uh, reinventing oneself is a basic function that people have? Or does it need a lot of training and uh, recognition to actually make it happen uh, so uh, that a new purpose can also be found?
1: If you have a purpose that makes you inventive, I would say, because, uh, if this way doesn't work, uh, you you take another one. So, because you know why you do that, what for? So, um, that's, that's the, the main thing in purpose in business that it makes you stronger uh, to follow not that one path, but the direction. So it makes you inventive, um, in Germany and in Switzerland, well, let's let's say in the middle of the Euro- of Europe and Northern Europe, we're mm, we're not really used to reinvent ourselves. I mean, um, as a philosopher, as a sociologist, perhaps you are because you're forced to, <laughs> because our our studies doesn't don't lead you to a real profession right away. <laughs> But normally, especially my clients who are mostly engineers or managers, they are not used to that. They are used that things come to them or they get a recipe, do that way, and then it works. And um, that's lost. So that's why it needs philosophy at the moment. Um, And uh, I think everybody has this capacity it's dependent, perhaps, on a certain psychological question of your how how um, how stable you are inside, because it's it's always very strenuous. Um, but uh, we always—I mean, so many managers say that they love um, challenges. You know, now it's the right now it's the right time to love challenges um, because a challenge is when, when you don't know whether it will work out work in a good way or not. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not a real challenge, and um, uh, and it's like a muzzle. I, I think re- reinventing oneself or, or just. Being stable in these situations, being inventive is like a muzzle. You have to train it. And um, I think we we got some training with, with Corona, uh, some very good training. And now we need that training to go on. It's a strenuous way for many of them, but you really you realize, I think it's well, I hope I won't be beaten by anybody, but I think we, it's good that we had this, um, this Corona time because it really made us ready for what is coming up at the moment. Yeah.
0: To bring it to a practical example, I guess, one of the challenges um, that uh, we all saw in the last years is also an understanding that the digital transformation is a big topic that needs to be addressed uh, at a different pace, at a faster pace uh, than uh, before. Now when it comes to the digital transformation and enterprises, how well are they prepared for this? How do you advise them about proceeding to implement uh, an understanding for this transformation in the enterprises uh, as well? Please, could you elaborate on that particular example from your work experience a little more?
1: Well, I I think it's it cannot be underestimated um, what the digitalization will do um, or or will will change in our in our businesses. And it is underestimated by many, um, even managers. And especially, um, with the, with the employees who are more or less afraid of the digitalization. And, uh, that's my topic then. Um, on, on the first side to ask the, the CEOs, where will, where do you want to start and why do you want the digitalization? Because mostly people don't even know what it really means. I mean, going, going around with a mobile device doesn't make you a digital person, you know, as, but that's, that's still, you know, there are still some managers who say, well, I am digitalized. Uh, we, we have a, we have a company app, for example. That's fine. That's, that's a one step. And then I ask, well, how many people are using that app? And it's just, you know, just the top management, perhaps, because they find it somehow, yeah, um, sexy to use it. For example, the, the shift, the shift is changing. And they still um the leaders still announce that via whatsapp because they know that all of the employees will need will read this whatsapp, but they won't read the the app so that that's one of the problems um that people are not ready because they don't know enough about it in in that app story for example they the the employees just had were in fear that they were somehow as that was a sort of spionage about their um about their life and so on but this is just a symptom um, because um digitalization needs a lot of trust and a lot of questioning the purpose, what is this company about? And what is it for? And what does they do? And then when is um, when when is uh, digitalization that when does it make sense?
0: In walking that way in of change that is necessary, or that a company decides uh, to go communication plays a very important role. And you have already hinted at that uh, uh, just a moment ago. I wonder, what kind of storyline is it that you recommend uh, for companies uh, to use to exactly um, sort of explain what uh, something new, an app, whatever it may be, um, is all about, and uh, in order to address the issue both for the company and that means for the employees in particular
1: well that's what i would call um the purpose trace the <laughs> sinnspur um the older um, a company is the the higher the problem is of course um because um if you have a lot of tradition it's always um problematic uh, to to go very new ways, uh, and you have people who, who are with the with the company since thirty years, forty years, and uh, they are used to. That's their company in in a certain sense, um, and that's that's the chance because it's their company. And uh, you can ask them what what how was it to work forty years ago? Because there was always a change, and there was always this certain purpose trace, right from the beginning, when it's 125 years old, or 100 years around in and in Germany, we we tend to have a lot of companies, which were found uh, in between the two wars, or right after the war, uh, the second war. So, so they're fairly old, they're fairly traditional, which is a strength. Um And they have a certain identity, which they didn't really reflect yet because they were always doing. And I mean, there is nearly no company which still produces the same things they did in 1948. So um, uh, that's a good chance to tell them, well, you know, this company, innovation is tradition in a certain sense. So that's why you are here, because you always changed, but you didn't really realize it. But now there's a real, real change and just think about the founder. And so so that's why how I I really create a a purpose, trace, which is called Storyline. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about your student life here in Stuttgart. Um, In the 1990s, you studied philosophy and psychology at the time, and then later went on to study pedagogics and sociology and at the University of Konstanz. Why would Stuttgart be uh, the university of choice for philosophy and psychology? Why was it at the time?
1: Well, to be honest, uh, it was... um uh, if if i would have the free would have had the free choice i probably wouldn't have gone to stuttgart but today i'm very happy that i went there so um uh, th- there are many great universities for philosophy, for example, uh, Tübingen or something, uh, uh, which is very close. So, um, but my husband was just doing his PhD uh, in Stuttgart and we were uh, already married. So I, I, didn't, I didn't have, um, I, I didn't want to, uh, to, to live apart. Um, and so I, I just choose Stuttgart to be my alma mater. And that was just really, really great because um, um, I, I have a certain way. I was already 28 that day or 29. And um, for me, it was then easy to, because I knew the, the, the University of Stuttgart, which is a, a great campus, but it's different to all the campuses you have with, with people who are studying philosophy in other, in, in other uh, universities because it's so technical driven And, um, that makes the, the people studying philosophy, or sociology and so on, that's a, a small group and they know each other. And that was just wonderful because it was so, um, we, we had, uh, we, we, just build groups ourselves to study certain topics we were interested in. We we really knew our professor and he was I mean, it was just more more or less um, uh, it was a a group we were studying together, even with the professors and the lecturers. That was really great. So um, that was a very personal, a very personal thing. Um and because we were such a small group um, with this huge amount of engineers around, we were all we were surrounded by engineers that made us on one hand a special group, which is always a good feeling. Um, and on the other hand, uh, we faced a lot of other uh, students we were uh, we were f- befriended with, and learned about how it is to study, an an electronic engineering, for example. Yeah. How, how is it to study that? And that's so different. It's so different. And it really makes you understand how business or later on companies are, what, what, what kind of people are in there, you know, how do they think about it? I mean, um, if, 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 um, if I would have been married to a philosopher, I, at least dream of that, that uh, he would say, oh, in this dress, you look like a blossom in spring, you know? And uh, my husband just said, oh, with that dress, that's an optical upgrade, you know? So that's that's kind of, that's different. and uh and uh, uh it's just a uh, or, or for as a present uh, for 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 my birthday i got a well a certain i was clapping and then the light was on and i was clapping and then well it didn't go off but it should you know just very very different things than you would uh, experience in a university, you just would have surrounded by philosophers, psychologists, uh, sociologists, and, um, and that's really an advantage, I think, a real advantage. So I, I'm really fond of University of Stuttgart. I'm, I really am.
0: As you recall it, where the questions of responsibility and leadership in your studies of philosophy already uh, response big topics responsible topics were they covered at all or um, was it you yourself who found your way and into these topics and uh, and developed them further
1: I think both of it my I think my my own um, my own uh, vita uh, was leading to that questions and that was why I was studying philosophy uh, even at that age or I started. Um, because those big questions of, um, responsibility of freedom of uh, justice, those are the big questions, uh, which are always throughout the centuries, um, uh, a question of, um, of philosophy, of course, as well. And, um, I, Philosophy helps you to analyze, not to feel all the, th- all those um, questions, but really to analyze them in a very, very structured and logic way. And logic is a very important um, subject in philosophy. So that's, that makes it very near to mathematics. And it's uh, really important to to analyze your question. What what do you think? To uh, what what is justice? What does it mean? And um, are there different uh, ways to interpret it? So that's and that's today really important. If we talk about well, like uh, in this energy crisis, what what is. How should we distribute energy, for example? What is what is uh, what is the right way to do that? So it comes to a very practical way. And if we are just uh, discussing about it without any background, that makes it more or less emotional and not it doesn't lead us to a good way.
0: Is that the question? And uh, is that leading in the direction of explaining the difference between philosophy and ethics?
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it um, ethics would more or less be um, to to reflect that, um, but not to tell people um, what they should do. I mean that's thats sometimes people think I go into the companies and tell them what they should do to be uh, good people you know or, or a good company. And that's not right. I just um, I, I just I just help them. To have a certain pattern, how they could think about these basic questions and um, to be honest about these basic questions and uh, to prevent them to to make decisions which would could could um, cause some problems tomorrow. Because it was more of feeling, and, and engineers are really feeling people. I mean, they're they're more or less very, very emotional people, I would say. They they uh they often don't admit that. <laughs> but but uh but in in concern of those very important topics, we are more or less we're not taught uh to think in in, in patterns and um, to think to the very end. And that's that's mostly very important to think. What, what if I just extrapolate this way? Where will it end? And in, in moral questions, we seldom do think about that.
0: To frame it even on another level, in your next step of uh, your education, you decided to become a logotherapist and um, please can you explain what a local therapist focuses on?
1: Local therapy was founded by uh, Viktor Frankl, uh, who is um, especially famous in, in the US. Um, I would, um, which is amazing, um, in Vienna in the 1920s, um, and uh, it is based on on the idea that people who follow a purpose are much more stronger to withstand any problems so um that was very important in the 20s at the end of the 20s with unemployed people and for victor frankl it was important because he was a jew and he was uh, he went into the concentration camp in uh, 42 and um his just to to realize for himself that because he had a purpose to survive, it's not the reason why someone survives, but you, you're more stable to, um, um, to withstand some many, many problems. And, um, so that's, uh, that's how he became famous after war, even, um, and it means logo is just logos. That's the the Greek word for um, for word, but also for meaning. So um, so he founded the meaning centered, meaning centered therapy. So, and that was, uh, um, that was very attractive to me because, um, the meaning in life, but purpose in business was always something which was attracting me in my life, uh, very early. So, um, I was really fond of that idea. So, um, I went there for four years. Uh, it was just, um, it was, I think 50 weekends. So, um, and um, in these days, I decided not to follow the therapist way, but to go into the business coaching. Yeah.
0: I have already mentioned that you are the author of several books. Now, looking at the title um, of, uh, of the books, I assume that uh, there is a certain relation between uh, these different uh, publications. Uh, they are about advice. Then there is leadership addressed. Uh, Then purpose plays a role. Um, Did this all come step by step? Did you develop uh, your theory of uh, addressing uh, situations uh, as you were experiencing the business life and relating it to your studies, to your theories? Uh, Gradually, um, what can be? the link between the books? And then how far do they build up on each other?
1: Mostly the topics come to me in a certain sense. Um, um, I had a real certain theory about how I wanted to to advise doing my advice. And I just, I just started in 1998, experiencing that Experiencing that purpose was really a difficult word at that time. Um, people found people found that that was metaphysic, or they wondered where. Well, uh, what kind of person I am? Um, but I, I, I'm glad today that I um, stick to it and and I stayed there. Um, but it was more or less the process of advising, the process of consulting, uh, accompanying, um, realizing uh, what is working and what's not working, which um, stabilized, in some sense, the theory and uh, which was, I I wouldn't say changing, but developing the whole thing. So um, today I'm fairly, I'm fairly deep in, in this topic, of course. And, um, but it's very practical. And when I started philosophy, uh, I started with knowing that I would like to work with people. Um, so I always wondered what this what I was just reading could have to do with the just normal life outside and that, that that was stuttgart very very good for me because life was always outside and um so um it's it's this twist between theory and practice which is a wonderful experience um, and uh, today i'm i'm more and more on this way of um i'm, I'm more convinced that to have a narrative or this uh, this um, purpose trace is perhaps the most the most important uh, thing and that's why I'm working more and more ab- about that at the moment yeah
0: Annette let's look ahead a little bit and uh, let's um, try to find out what needs to be done? What could be some of the changes uh, in companies, uh, but perhaps also in training and education uh, to make people m- more suited, more fit, uh, more ready for uh, our times, uh, especially in this decade that sees so many new tasks for people? And, uh, and how do we get the tools to address them uh, properly and uh, to keep the balance uh, between work and life. Uh, so what's up at the moment? What is on your desk as we are talking? What is it uh, that you would like to offer to the companies uh, as courses? Uh, perhaps what are some of the course titles that, that you come up with in your program?
1: Well, um, concerning the future, I mean, <laughs> there is Carl Valentin. Um a humorist who said uh, prognosis are really difficult, especially when they are concerning the future, you know. And I, perhaps that was not so true like today. <laughs> perhaps in his days, in the 20s, it was also. But um, uh, that's the thing for the, for the future, especially. Um, one, one of my um, seminars was communication in the storm, which is one task at the moment, very important um, because uh, we don't know and we don't know about the, we, we don't have a weather forecast really. So that we are somehow in a storm. That's that's a, a seminar which was attended fairly well or, or booked fairly well. Um, the other thing is surely the digitalization. And the third thing is um, this leading without really knowing what is coming next. And um, that's probably the core competence, you now need, Um, which, which is, um, especially for, for people who are always very, um, they are always calculating, people who are always calculating, and those are our leaders in companies they're really not used to that. And uh, they don't want, they, they hate that situation. And my task in a certain sense is to make them love this situation because it's more or less their opportunity to make a difference. So, um, it's more the personality, um, the attitude, um, the, the rely on the relying on your, um, intuition, Um, just to, to have this combination between intuition and analysis and to combine that and then make a decision in the direction of purpose. That's, that's my, I would say at the, at the moment, the main, the main work I do with my clients and that's what they, what is really needed at at that moment. I'm very sure about that because, um, in a certain sense, the employees are, many employees are in fear what is, what is coming up to, to, to them, but, um, you really can, can scale it because the companies know it them. they don't know it themselves. I mean, it's, it's very, uh, so, so they really need to, to have a balance, um, between, Machiavelli calls it going between the villages and the mountain, going on the mountain, just to feel what people feel in the villages, to see there more or less, well, from from the mountain view, it's a small problem in the village. But if you're living in the village, it's a big problem. So you have to feel that, but you have to go on the mountain to, to have an overview. How many villages do you have? How, where is it burning? And perhaps. Sometimes, and that's very difficult, you have to let it burn down because it's more important to care for another problem. And that's something uh, which, is, which, a hard, which is a hard decision. And that's uh, where really many leaders are happy to have someone on their side to talk to, to uh, about that. Or, um, well, to ask questions, to analyze it, uh, to, to have a certain guide um, or guidance, not a certain uh, guidance on that way.
0: How does this affect education on a broader level? Should education in school, certainly perhaps at universities, be more attentive? towards these issues as well. Uh, What you described as, uh, well, we don't know exactly what is for sure happening uh, in the future. Therefore, what kind of uh, strategies um, need to be taught uh, to today's students uh, to be perhaps even better prepared for years uh, that uh, will fill their professional life uh, when uh, the situations are not as structured, not as clearly uh, visible as perhaps they used to be?
1: Well, in in my opinion, uh, philosophy would be really very important even at school. Uh, I, I went to a school where physics and mathematics were the really main topics um, so um and it's a pity if, if you talk to engineers managers and you talk a little bit about well what Aristotle thought about justice and how he analyzed it and how he did that and and how it could help today they're really they're really very happy about that they're really wow that's an idea or, it's a pity that I didn't think about it that way much earlier I think this this um, Misunderstanding that philosophy is mostly ethics sometimes makes people a little, you know, well, I don't want to live a moral life every day and I don't want to think about that every day. And it's boring. Um, uh, it's it's just on, on that very high level, perhaps sometimes. And that would be really very good to have that as a as a subject to think about and uh, I taught, it was from Airbus in Hamburg um, uh, some years ago. I had some, um, several lectures there in Hamburg um, for a female, and it was a female engineering um, program. And we had philosophy. Uh, I taught philosophy there. And it was always not only fun, but it was somehow very enlightening for them. It's um, it's it's training how to think it's training, how to analyze, not just a technical problem, but to analyze, um, your whole thing where you're in. So that really helps it. It's not always um, funny because it makes you see perhaps a little more, but um, it's very helpful. And then to search the main roads, you know, See all the things about and then see the main roads which are important to your life, to your company and so on.
0: Anette, next we have seven very brief questions that we would like to ask you. Please answer as shortly as possible. We call this moment seven. Here's our first moment. Spätzle or Maultaschen?
1: Maultaschen.
0: Moment two. One thing you could change about the world.
1: I would love if every person would change his perspective um, from time to time to think about how it is to be another person.
0: Moment three. Do you have a movie recommendation for us?
1: I love to watch uh, Deutschland 83, 86, 89. It's a series about uh, the changing in the DDR and West Germany.
0: Moment four. The best advice you have ever received.
1: Um, It's follow your path, but don't always uh, look on your path.
0: Moment five. Your favorite place on campus at the University of Stuttgart was
1: uh, this little pond in front of the library right in the middle of, of uh, Stuttgart between this K-1 and K-2. Yeah.
0: Moment six, please finish the following sentence. If I could start all over again, I would do the following differently.
1: Believing in myself earlier.
0: And moment seven, please complete the following sentence. Thanks to my studies, I know that
1: it's the person who makes the difference.
0: Thank you, Annette, for our conversation, for all the differences that you make people aware of in themselves, in their work surroundings, let's hope, and in shaping the future as well. We wish you the very, very best uh, for the upcoming projects especially in these particular times and to everyone, please stay healthy, stay good and stay tuned for our conversations that are always based on what is made in science.